This morning, we're going to go deep in Psalm 35. But before I get there, I have to tell you a story from 1 Samuel 24. So go ahead and mark both of those spots in your Bible, if you can. Psalm 35 and then 1 Samuel 24. And in just a minute, I'm going to read to you Psalm 35 from the uh, Psalms Poetry on Fire book that I talked about a few weeks ago. It's actually called the Passion Translation. Uh, But before we get there, you need to know some things about this particular psalm. It was written in connection with one of, in my opinion, one of King David's most noble times in his life. That story is the one that's found in 1 Samuel 24, and I'll be referencing between both of these this morning. So let me set this up for you. David is running from Saul. David and his men are sleeping, and they're hiding out in the back of a cave. And Saul's pursuits were dedicated to one simple thing, the ending of David's life, uh, murdering David, if you will. And so one night, David is is inside this cave, and when he woke up the next morning, he finds that Saul came into that same cave, well, for his morning constitutional. He was going, boo. (laughs) Here's David's chance. The man who wants to kill him is indisposed. And now he's sitting in front of David. Doing his business. He doesn't even realize David's there. He doesn't even realize that he's in the, at David's mercy. Guys are like that when we go to the bathroom. We forget time and space. You laugh because you know it's true in your own house. David has this dilemma. Will he kill Saul? Will he seek his revenge right there? Here's how it actually went. The story says that In 1 Samuel 24, Saul had been dealing with the Philistines. And he was told, David is in the wilderness. David is hiding out in the wilderness. We have an idea. We have a location. So Saul took three companies, the best he could find in all of Israel. And he set out in search of David in this area. They didn't have GPS. They didn't have drones. They didn't have unmanned aircraft that could fly around and find him. So they had to go the old-fashioned way. They had to look. And they're out searching, and he comes. The Bible says he came to, to a, a, a series of, of sheep pens along the road. And there was a cave. And it's in that cave where Saul went to relieve himself. And David and his men are hiding in the back. And David's men say to, to, to David, they say, hey, can you believe it? This is the day God was talking about when he promised that he would put your enemy in your hands. You can go do whatever you want to to him. And so David quiet as a cat he creeps up takes out his swiss army knife the big one that has the little scissors in it and he no he didn't have a swiss army knife um i might have made that part up but but i have to think about it this way because the bible says that david cut off a piece of saul's robe that's got to be an awfully sharp knife to do that and He's not even noticing. So David cuts off a piece of his robe. But his men are upset with him. They're like, why? Why did you kill him? They're in the, I just picture him in the back of this cave. They're like, what is wrong with you, David? You, 
He was right there. He's just a pig. He wouldn't even have known. It could all be yours. What, what are you doing? And David's like, no. David said, he's God's anointed. It's not for me to kill him. I can't. The Bible actually says that, that David, um, that he felt guilty. That he had even cut off a part of his robe. And he says to his man, God forbid that I should have done this to my master, God's anointed. And I think they're still whispering that I said so much as raise a finger against him. David held his men in check with these words and he wouldn't let them attack Saul. The story goes that Saul finished what he went into the cave to do. And as he began to walk down the road, David then stood at the mouth of the cave and called to Saul, Master! Saul turned around. At this point, I think there's this kind of cold shiver that went down Saul's spine to realize that the person he was looking to kill came out of the cave he was just in. One, he's embarrassed. They didn't have poopery and stuff like that. But two, he's caught. He knows he's caught, dead to rights. But David, instead, he says, he says this. He, he, he falls to his knees and, and he says in reverence, he says, why do you listen to those who say David is out to get you? And I can just see it. He's just kind of covered himself. He says, he says this day, your very own eyes, you've seen that just now in the cave that God put you into my hands, my men wanted me to kill you, but I wouldn't do it. I told them I wouldn't lift a finger against you because you were God's anointed. And then he says, look at this, my father. He calls Saul father. Look at this. And he holds up the piece of his robe. And, and I, because my mind is weird, I picture Saul kind of looking around at you know, his tunic or, or whatever like, oh, there's, there's David holding up this, this corner. Look at this evidence. I could have cut you. I could have killed you. He says, but I didn't. I'm not against you. I'm no rebel. I haven't sinned against you. And yet you're hunting me down. He says, call God out right now. Let's, he, matter of fact, David says, an old proverb says, evil deeds come from evil people. So you be assured that my hand will not touch you. Essentially, he just called Saul evil because he'd been hunting him down. And he said, I'm not you. He said, what does the king of Israel think he's doing? Who do you think you're chasing? He, he calls himself a dog. He says, I'm just a dead dog. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a flea on a dead dog. I'm not even worth your time, Saul. I don't want you. He says, God is our judge. He'll decide who's right. That he would look down right now. And decide, and he will set me free of you. David finished saying all this stuff, and Saul, probably in, in his first real moment of self-examination since he started this quest, says this. Can this be the voice of my son David? And he wept in loud sobs. He says to David, you're the one in the right not me. He says, David, you have heaped good on me. I've dumped evil on you and you've heaped good on me. Now you've done it again. You've treated me generously. God put me in your hands and you didn't kill me. And he says, why when a man meets his enemy, does he send him down the road with a blessing? 
So you may think, well, David was mocking him, but he blessed Saul because he gave him his life. He says, you send me down the road with a blessing. May God bless you for what you've done for me today. He says, I know beyond a doubt you will rule as king. But then he also says, promise me under God that you will not kill off my family or wipe my name off the books. David promised Saul. And then Saul went home and the Bible says David and his men went up to their wilderness refuge. I want to pause in that story and I want to read Psalm 35 to you. But I want you to think about these events that I just shared with you as I read Psalm 35. Knowing this information should cause us to look differently at what David wrote because it was just after this time in the cave, this deliverance of Saul to David, that David wrote this psalm. It's one of the things I, I found out as I went deeper into Psalm 35 was this psalm is the outcome of that event. So knowing all of that, I want to share this with you. Also, you may notice on the back of your bulletin, I have three different aspects of David that we're going, that, that we are going to go deeper in as we read this psalm. We're going to see David as a warrior. We'll see David as a witness. And we'll see David as a worshiper. And, and those things, you can make some notes, but those things take place throughout the writing of this psalm, which followed... I kind of think that when Saul went home and David and his men went up to another stronghold, I think that's where David maybe reflected on this. I can't prove that, but that's my thought. So just with everything I've said, listen to Psalm 35 from the um, Passion Translation. Here we go. David writes, and this is David, the warrior David writes this part. Oh Lord, fight for me. Harass the hecklers. Accuse my accusers. Fight for those who fight against me. Put on your armor. Lord, take up your shield and protect me. Rise up, mighty God. Grab your weapons of war and block the way of the wicked who come to fight me. Stand for me when they stand against me. Speak over my soul. I am your strong Savior. Humiliate those who seek my harm. I would say in the case of Saul, that took place in this cave. Humiliate those who seek my harm. Defeat them all. Frustrate their plans to defeat me and drive them back. Disgrace them all as they have devised their plans to disgrace me. Blow them away like dust in the wind. With the angel of the almighty God driving them back. And make the road in front of them nothing but slippery darkness. With the angel of the Lord behind them, chasing them away. For though I did nothing wrong to them, they set a trap for me, wanting me to fall and fail. Verse 8 says, Surprise them with your ambush, Lord, and catch them in the very trap they set for me. Let them be the ones to fall and fall into destruction. And then my fears will dissolve into limitless joy. My whole being will overflow with gladness because of your mighty deliverance. Everything inside of me will shout it out. There's just no one like you, Lord. For look at how you protect the weak and helpless from the strong and heartless who oppress them. They are malicious men, hostile witnesses of wrong. They rise up against me, accusers appearing out of nowhere. When I show them mercy, they bring me misery. I'm forsaken and forlorn like a motherless child. 
I even prayed over them when they were sick. I was burdened and bowed low with fasting and interceded for their healing. And I didn't stop praying. I grieved for them, heavy hearted, as though they were my dearest family members or my good friends who were sick, nearing death, needing prayer. But when I was the one who tripped up and stumbled, they came together only to slander me, rejoicing in my time of trouble, tearing me to shreds with their lies and betrayal. These nameless ruffians, mocking me like godless fools at a feast, how they delight in throwing mud on my name. God, how long can you just stand there doing nothing? Now is the time to act. Rescue me from these brutal men, for I am being torn to shreds by these beasts who are out to get me. Save me from their rage, their cruel grasp. For then I will praise you wherever I go. And when everyone gathers for worship, I love this part. When everyone gathers for worship, I will lift up your praise with a shout in front of the largest crowd I can find. See, this is David as a witness right now. He says, I will do that. And then we go into David as a worshiper. Verse 19, don't let those who fight me for no reason be victorious. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had somebody in your life that just just fought you for no reason? Nothing to gain. They just wanted to make you miserable. That's what's happening here with David. Don't let those who fight for me for no reason be victorious. Don't let them succeed. These heartless haters who come against me with their gloating sneers. They are the ones who would never seek peace as friends. For they are ever devising deceit against the innocent ones who mind their own business. They open their mouths with ugly grins, gloating with glee over my every fault. Have you felt these people in your life? Look, they say, we've caught him red-handed. We saw him fall with our own eyes. But my caring God, you have been there all along. You have seen their hypocrisy. God, don't let them get away with this. Don't walk away without doing something. Now is the time to awake. Rise up, Lord. Vindicate me, my Lord and my God. You have every right to judge me, Lord, according to your righteousness. But don't let them rejoice over me when I stumble. Let them all be ashamed of themselves. Humiliated when they rejoice over my every blunder. Shame them, Lord, when they say we saw what he did. Now we have him right where we want him. Let's get him while he's down. I kind of picture Saul's men. We know where David is. He's hiding out. Let's go get him. He continues. He says, make them look ridiculous when they exalt themselves over me. May they all be disgraced and dishonored. And right here, verse 27. But let all my true friends. Where were David's true friends? They were in a cave with him, sworn to protect him helping him to live. Let all my true friends shout for joy. All those who know and love what I do for you, let them all say, the Lord will be glorified through it all. God will still bless his servant. Then I won't be able to hold it in. Everyone will hear my joyous praises all day long. Your righteousness will be the theme of my glory song of praise. David he was a warrior. One of the things I like about David is he, when, when he was in battle, he wrote like he was in battle. 
When he was confused, he wrote about his confusion. When he was, when, when he was guilty, he wrote about his guilt. When he was repentance, he wrote about his repentance. This, this Psalm 35 is as real as you're going to get in the life of David. All these different emotions. And here we have warrior David. And we know from other stories in Scripture that David is a fierce warrior. Uh, one of the things that started this whole Saul hating David thing was, was the people even sang a song about Saul and David. In the song they sang how, how Saul has killed his thousands, but David killed tens of thousands. And it was that song that began to, to set deceit in, in Saul's heart and, and, um, and jealousy in Saul's heart. It's that same David who killed Goliath with a slingshot and a rock. That same warrior David, he could have killed Saul because that's what warriors do. You come at the warrior, the warrior is going to take you out. But we see in 1 Samuel 24, verses 20 through 22, that warrior David has an opportunity not only to end Saul's life, but he has an opportunity to wipe out Saul's legacy and his family, if you will. I want to look at 1 Samuel 24, verses 10 through 22, and I want you to see what happens here. But now think about Psalm 35 when we see this, okay? Think about this. Verse 10 says, Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord had given you into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Now, my father, see indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut it off. I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know and perceive there is no evil or rebellion in my hands, and I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. David says, even if you kill me, that's between you and God. If, you, if Saul, if you walk right back to the mouth of this cave and you kill me, I'm not going to fight you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? The Lord, therefore, be judge and decide between you and me. And may he see and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. When David finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have dealt well with me while I have dealt wickedly with you. You have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, and yet you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. Verse 20 says, Now behold, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. So swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you not will destroy my, my name from my father's household. And verse 22, David swore to Saul and Saul went to his home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. See, if David would have killed Saul in that cave, if warrior David would have won out, Saul would have been obliterated. David would have become king. He could have wiped out all of Saul's family. But he didn't do that. Because part of warrior David was witness David. 
Warrior David could have ended Saul, but instead he transitioned from warrior to witness. He had an opportunity for death, but instead he chose to honor God. And we see this in, in verses 6 through 7 in, in 1 Samuel 24. He says, like, like David in the cave, every day of our lives, you and I have an opportunity to serve ourselves or to honor God. That was the decision that David had to make that day. He could serve himself. He could become king instantly on his own terms, his own time. Or he could honor God. And he could do something on God's terms and on God's times. And by submitting to God's lordship and God's authority. We have to decide. Will you crush someone with your words and your actions this week? Or will you choose to honor God? Will you choose to be warrior David or witness David? Regardless of what someone has done to you or said about you, you may be sitting there thinking, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they've, what they've said. You don't know the lies that they've, they've, they've spilled about me at work. You don't, you don't know. You're not there, John. Hey, spoiler alert. I don't care what they said about you. I don't care what they did to you. Not because I'm a jerk. But because the fact is they're not hunting you down right now to kill you. They don't have several hundred of their fiercest friends looking for you everywhere you go. David was running for his life. Oh, but they said something mean about me at work. So what? David was running for his life. You got your feelings hurt. That's, that's a huge difference in the spectrum of things. And David still chose to honor God, not serve himself. Because his witness was more important to him than his warrior, if you will. Your, people don't have you hiding in a cave. They don't have you running for your life. So whatever it is they did, it's time to forgive them. Knowing that you could get the upper hand or you could honor God. Forgive them. Reflect on God's love, mercy, and grace. Be that reflection to them instead of reflecting your desires for revenge and, and the ability to one-up somebody. Remember your witness. Remember warrior David's witness. See, David could have killed Saul. He could have become king on his terms, but he knew he would have Saul's blood on his hands. And not only did David not kill Saul, but his actions and his words changed the minds of his mighty men, of his warriors, who swore to protect David with their own lives. They were like, David, this is what we promised we would do. We would vindicate you. We would protect you. We would keep you safe. We will stop anybody that tries to take you down. And David says, no. Not this way. That's not for us to do. Warrior David witnesses to his men, essentially in the heart of battle, if you will, about God and about what God would have them do and how they will honor God no matter what Saul chooses to do. And David's words changed their minds and their hearts too. Look at Samuel, 1 Samuel 24, verse 6 and 7 says, He said to his men, Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, since he is the Lord's anointed. David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose 
left the cave and went on his way. David had a choice to make and he chose to honor God. Warrior David witnessed to his men. And the Bible says after that he talked to Saul. It says after he talked to Saul, excuse me, that Saul went to his home. But David and his men went up to his stronghold. And like I said, I think it's in that place where David reflected on these things and wrote Psalm 35 as he looked at that season of his life. And all, all through this psalm, we see evidence of worshiper David. Listen to these examples of David worshiping God from start to finish in this whole thing. Psalm 35, 9 and 10 says this, And my soul shall rejoice in the Lord. It shall exult in his salvation. See, it's right at the very beginning of that, that story. All my bones. Oh, sorry. <laughs> all, he says, all my bones. Go ahead and go to the next one. We'll say, Lord, who is like you? Who delivers the afflicted from him who is too strong for him and the afflicted and the needy from him who robs him? David's worshiping during that time. And then Psalm 35, verses 13 and 14. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting. My prayer kept returning to my bosom. He, he, knew, he knows these people that are chasing him. He fought with some of these men. He says, I went about as though it were my friend or brother. I bowed down mourning as one who sorrows for a mother. David's been praying for Saul. He's been praying for these men who are chasing him, who want to end his life. David's showing us he he prayed for these guys and he won't even pray. and, and, And we won't even pray for that one annoying person at work. You see, we look for opportunity to avoid them rather than to intentionally engage with them on behalf of Jesus. David's men could have hid in the back of that cave until Saul was done, and they could have continued hiding. And we don't know how that story would have gone, but we know how this story went. David came out, and he called to Saul, and he said, Hey, all my cards are on the table. I could have done you in, but I respect God too much to do it. It's on you, Saul. David showed us these things. He continues to worship God. In Psalm 35, verse 18, he says, I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will sing, I will praise you among a mighty throng. David knows that God is his protection and his deliverer. He tells God, I will praise you among a mighty throng. What about you? Are you praising God in your life? Where are you praising God? Is it in your witness? Is it in your worship? My favorite verse from this psalm is verses 27 and 28. Let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication. And let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all day long. David didn't wait until Sunday to run to the church and praise God's righteousness, did he? My tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all day long. I hope you don't wait until Sundays to worship God, warrior David. 
witness, David. Worshipper, David. You see, the thing about David is he was all three of those things. And warrior David is witness David. And witness David was worshiper David. Because before any of those things, David was a man after God's own heart. In our society today, we want to ask people, well, what are you? Are you a man or are you a mouse? Are you a leader or are you a follower? That Whichever one of those you are, your first answer should be, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian first. That's what I am. I'm a Christian husband. I'm a Christian father. I'm a Christian man. You can say I'm a Christian wife, Christian woman, a Christian mother. Don't wait till Sundays to worship. You can still be, and this is my favorite thing about Psalm 35. You can still be a manly man. You can still be a mighty worshiper, or excuse me, a mighty warrior for God and witness for Him and worship Him. All at the same time. David's men asked him why he doesn't seek revenge and kill Saul. And David simply replies, he cannot lift up his hand against God's anointed. Now listen, Saul was not what he should have been at that time in his life. But he was still God's anointed. God anointed him to be king. Saul was not perfect, but he was still God's anointed. And because of that, David would not seek revenge on him. How often do we want to seek revenge and vengeance against the people that have wronged us? We need to understand, like David did, that revenge and vengeance, that's God's department. That's not ours. We don't need to be warriors. God doesn't need us to fight his battles. We need to be his witnesses. We need to be his worshipers. We need to be his reflection in this community and in this world. That's, that's what God would have us do. We should also join David in refraining from lifting our hands against God's anointed. We don't need to get ugly with other Christians about disagreements. We're family. We're God's family. Brothers and sisters in Christ have no need to lift our hands, so to speak, against one another. If King David could talk things out with Saul, surely... You can work through your issues with your Christian family. We should pray for God's people, love God's people, be loyal to God's people, stand beside God's people, hold high the hands of God's people. And I once heard a fella talk about he had 10 sons. He said his first son was a lawyer and the, and the second one was a liar too. He said his third son was a banker and the fourth one was a crook as well. He said the fifth son was a school teacher and the sixth was also at a state institution. I didn't make it up. I just heard the story. He said the seventh was a doctor and the eighth stayed up all night as well. He said the ninth was a preacher and the tenth one didn't work either. (laughs) Easy. It's funny. But see, for the sons and daughters of God, this shouldn't be true on any spectrum. As God's sons and daughters, we should be the ones who are the hardest working. We should be the best witness. We should be the ones worshiping. We should strive to be the best we can, no matter the situation that we find ourselves in. 
God's people should hold each other before the throne of grace in prayer and love and support. As I was going deep into Psalm 35, I found some some historical things that referenced in Jesus' day when a Jew was tempted to seek revenge, that they would often turn to the 35th Psalm and read it and sing it. It would give them strength as they saw an example in David, their, their, their one-time king. So as we come to our response time this morning, I want to ask you, warrior David, are you ready to stop fighting the battle alone and depend on the strength of God in your life? I want to ask you, Christian, are you ready to stop reflecting on your own desires and witness with intentionality and transparency and start a Christ-promoting relationship with someone this week, maybe even your office enemy. One more thing. If David can worship God in a cave, don't you think that you can worship God no matter where you are? In your office, your school, the mall, the grocery store. The Bible tells us that the way we live our lives is our daily act of worship. Think on this as we stand and sing our response song this morning and Respond to God accordingly. Follow David's example, if you will. Stand. It's been great to be here with you all this morning, to to worship with you, to celebrate with you. Um, The one thing I learned in going deeper in Psalm 35 and and from David in this example is it's, it's very evident, no matter what you're going through, God will not let go of you. He is there. He's there to be our rock. He's there to be something we stand on. He's there to be someone we embrace during those hard times. He's there to defend us. He will not let go. Think on that. Reflect that this week as you go. Sing this last song with us.